Coming to you from that exact moment when you realize adulthood is a scam. It's the Queer Centric and Queer's Johnny. Welcome back to another amazing, awesome, I promised myself I would look up more descriptive words, uh, fantasing, fantabulous, groundbreaking, queer centric. Just for everybody watching, uh, we love you all so much. This is a show everybody's been waiting for, and actually we have a lot of uh, past guests who are kind of mad that we didn't invite them back. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, you know, uh, maybe in the future. But um, before we get to that, I do want to do some business, make some announcements. Remember, Saturday, February 25th is the live event. We're uh, getting very close to it. And uh, so make sure you show up. Everybody's talking about it, which is exactly what we wanted to happen. But now we need you to show up. There's going to be food. I have found that if I lead with we're having it catered, more people are interested. <laughs> so show up. It's from doors open at 630. We will do the show until 9. And then from 9 to 10 is a little social hour. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely a night you're not going to forget. So be sure to mark your calendars if you haven't already. February 25th at the Downtown Library, the third floor event center. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, uh, Spokane AIDS Network is doing, they're back to doing their live big fundraiser for the year. Uh, it's done the night of the Oscars, so March 12th. I will be hosting it with the uh, amazingly incomparable, uh, sometimes intimidating, Nova Kane, uh, the queen of all queens in this town. And we're going to be on one stage, which is going to be quite fun, but it's going to be a lot of personality for you guys. So get ready for that. That's on March 12th. And then I did want to say this is a big day. So everybody knows about Daniel the intern. We have uh, talked about him many a times. And you can see him on your cameras this time. He's actually on. Daniel, you're joining me on the mic for this because you want to know how to do your own show. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So being with us for like the past five months wasn't enough to scare you. No, it didn't scare me that bad. <laughs> Good. So are you feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Okay. Well, I believe in you, my friend. So... Uh, so we're going to teach them some things. Hey, and you guys can comment. We'd be happy to send it on. We love positive cheerleading reinforcement of all people because here at the Queer Centric, we are positive and life-affirming. So that's what we choose to be. So that's the exciting part. Now, what you all have been waiting for, uh, the incomparable, I love that word, the incomparable, the amazing, uh, I've known this man for years now. He's an author. He is, uh, he is a family and relationship therapist on the other side of the world from where we are here, way out in uh, the New York area. And he has agreed to come on this new incarnation that we've created here at The Course and Drink. And today we call it The Sex Show, which gets people very excited. Just say sex, and like I think we're like all Puritans, and just so Damon L. Jacobs, welcome to the Queer Centric. Oh, Jonathan, thank you so much. You know, I'm always happy to come on a new show with you. <laughs> and I, I love it when you do. You have to, <laughs> you, you have to like knight it, anoint us, just come right on. <laughs> but it, seriously, it's such a delight to see you and hear you. And I love the way you bring joy and pleasure into our world. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this. Oh, it is more than a pleasure. And it's been exciting to kind of get people riled up and, and, and to give them permission. I think we've talked about that many times in the past. Give them permission to ask questions. It's very, I feel like 
you know, back in the day, I was telling Daniel before we started that we've known each other for a long time, and I was definitely a preacher's kid through and through, including the way I would view sex. And I said it was just in knowing you and the the talks we would have on the show, the talks we would just have as people, and how it changed my whole world. It gave me permission to maybe explore more, to be a little more open. And it changes it changes your world. And then you realize, oh my goodness, we're, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to implode, explode, die, Satan's going to come out of my ass. None of that's going to happen just because you allowed yourself pleasure. So. Love that. And, and I hope that as we're having these conversations in our culture, there might be an introduction or a shift towards really respecting and embracing the parts of ourselves that are sexual, that are erotic, that give and receive touch in a meaningful way. It's not just thing, something to put off to the side. I actually think it's a really meaningful component of the life ex experience. And it doesn't mean someone has to be having sex to be in that energy, but just to know that's part of who we are, that's part of how our bodies are wired for pleasure. And that's such an important part of health, yeah. mental health, spiritual health, physical health, is to know that and be able to give and receive that, even if it's just with yourself. Right. And do you think, and Daniel, feel you know I talk a lot. Feel free to just jump in right over me. Um, but do you think, and I'm sure you've been asked this many times, COVID, which taught us introverts to even be more introverted, do you think there's been a little bit of a repression because of going through that? I think what COVID did, you know, was really to, I mean, for, for viral reasons to make us afraid of touch and connection. And even for those of us that are appreciative of that, um, had to be afraid. And for me, having lived through the AIDS crisis, that was not an experience I felt good about repeating. It's like, oh, here we are. Yeah. I have to be afraid of sex again. Exactly. So that was not a pleasant thing. However, I do think COVID, I always try to look for the lessons and I always right. try to learn from, from things. And, you know, perhaps what it's done is give us all a greater appreciation of the sacred, of how important and necessary touch is. And even if we can't always experience it to say, I want to prioritize this in my life and find healthy ways to do it. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's, Touch unlocks us. I think it it allows us to let go of some shame. It allows us to to like you said, find some joy uh, that I think is in not the greatest supply all the time. And so it's an, important to have those those things. So are are you ready to get into some questions? Let's get into some questions. <laughs> I can't wait. This is so interesting. Oh, this is and this first one was interesting just in the way it was presented to us. It was the first question we, re we received. And Daniel, do you want to be the one to present this one? Sure, why not? <laughs> so we had a listener ask um, to have you explain what a side person is. Yeah. Well, and this is, just, it's not side person as in a side piece, right? No, as yeah. in like in the bedroom, not a top or a bottom. What is a, a side person? So, you know, this is interesting because this is, I think, a newer term, but the concept has been there like forever, whether we're talking about gay couples or straight couples. Right. There are people who enjoy connection and touch and intimacy that don't necessarily prioritize or crave penetrative sex. Right. 
And that has always been the case. Um, when I came out in the 80s and 90s, I have to say that this was in San Francisco during some of the darkest days of the AIDS crisis. And anal sex was not particularly prioritized at that time. Yeah. So in a way, a lot of us were sides, quote you know, the, the term sides, meaning we were often seeking out ways to experience touch and connection and possibly orgasm that wasn't about topping or bottoming. Right. It wasn't about a positioning. It was just about connecting. And I think that's what a lot of people today are um, taking back with the term sides. And uh, I'm not sure if they're trying to make it sound like it's a new thing or they're trying to rebrand right. something for the purpose of making <laughs> right. it fun. But basically sides is for people who may not prefer or crave anal sex or may not feel attached to that activity and once again part of healthy sexuality for all of us is having like a menu of items that we can enjoy and ask for and want to experiment or try with different partners in different ways right and i i, I think it's really important that when we're doing that for any of us, when we're exploring and discovering our sexuality, we're not doing it with a, a should or a must or a rigid sense that I must be this or I must be that. Although I do appreciate social apps for a lot of reasons. I think they they might be um, limiting when you have to identify yourself as a top or identify yeah. yourself as a bottom or as a verse. You don't have to be any yeah. of those things in order to have a fabulous, meaningful, fulfilling sex life. Yeah. Well, and it, it, to me, I just keep thinking it comes to communication because sex means many, many, many different things out there. And what matters is that you're communicating with your partner or partners of what it is you enjoy and you have pleasure. It's an, it almost, this sounds weird, but it's almost like that negotiation process before jumping in. But just so you guys understand what each other, what it's going to be pleasurable for the other person. And, uh, I remember this. I remember the the term side when I was in my 20s coming out, but it was never it, I just remember not a lot of people, you know, I guess identified as that. So it wasn't anything we talked about. But I mean, mm -hmm. the fact is that we shouldn't be shaming bottoms for being bottoms. We shouldn't be shaming sides for being sides. Uh we that tends to happen out there. In the end, it's it's sex and it what it's what gives you pleasure. And you're going to find the people who are into the same, and they want to give you that pleasure. Right. I mean, exactly. Thank you. You you always say that so well, except I don't believe in should. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. We don't do shoulds Wait, around dating. No, you're out of practice. Right? <laughs> I don't like the word should. Exactly. Because there's no absolute right or wrong, rigid or inflexible idea about ways right. to give and receive pleasure. As you point out, yes, there's communication. We can have preferences. We can have invitations. But if we're staying set in a certain script sexually, I think we're cutting ourselves off from some potentially amazing experiences. And again, some people love sexual things that have nothing to do with penetrative sex. Some people right. love feet. Some people yeah. love fisting. Some people, I mean, there's a lot of things that people enjoy that have nothing to do with top or bottom. Yeah. So again, instead of saying yes or no, perhaps there's a way to be open. And as you point out, beautifully communicate. Yeah. Communicate. Yeah. Because listen, the older I get, the more I need to communicate. Is <laughs> all I'm saying. And honestly, like, uh, so Daniel, you come from a whole different uh, generation. And you talk a lot about, we have talks about like Grindr and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What's the world like? I I mean, not that I haven't been on Grindr, but from a 47-year-old's 
Uh, it's a different filter when I'm on there. What's it like for you? Well, um, what's it like for me is, you know, I'm also a bigger guy, just like you are. Mm-hmm. So I get a lot I thought I was, of... what are you talking about? <laughs> hey, sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> I get a lot of older men wanting, like, that daddy-son relationship, yeah. which that, you know, I come from a little ho-dunk town. Um, none, all of this is new. I came out two years ago. Oh. It was like, whoa, okay, what is this? I, and I'm still learning the vocabulary. And so um, just really finding, yeah. <laughs> no, I understand that. Yeah, you're still finding your way, looking at the path, seeing what's out there. But yeah. I, you know, I do get a lot of, like, college kids interested and in just stuff like that. Yeah, listen. But you, uh, you don't have to waste any time. Just enjoy. I had for you, sir, is uh, <laughs> so like I said, I'm still learning the vocabulary. And I uh, about a couple of months ago, I saw on Grinder someone said, like a few people was saying it's cuffing season. What's cuffing, and what's also frauding? I saw those two. I was very like, what are those? What what are what is the lingo that I'm missing here? <laughs> I know, uh, well, I know both of them, but do you know, frauding is, you know, the rubbing up against each other, and it's right. it's so, my favorite part of being in high school when I was younger. <laughs> and again, like, that is something I still enjoy, but definitely yes. something during the AIDS crisis, which was necessary. Frotage, is, frauding comes from the term frotage, yeah. which means rubbing together, and it's a very immensely pleasurable activity that people can do, or at least for some people, it's very pleasurable. It's rubbing of genitals, rubbing of penises, sometimes rubbing of balls that can often lead one to a sense of great pleasure and great orgasm. Now, cuffing, I'm not as familiar with. Um, Is it, I think it's a kink related. Uh, Not this one. This is, so this is what's interesting. Like maybe four or five years ago, uh, it's one of those, you know how every generation has their, their own cool terms. So cuffing became this thing that was, and we're, and by the way, we are almost out of cuffing season. It typically starts in fall, <laughs> goes through most of winter, and all it is is for a season, you decide, I'm going to have a cuddle buddy. We're going to be intimate with each other. We're going to watch movies. We're going to be really close. And then I'm done with you come March. So they call it cuffing. And you'll notice it'll be on a lot of the sitcoms. People will talk about it now because, but it's one of those terms that I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to last because it was so, it was a trendy thing. But cuffing season is, listen, I just need someone for right now. It doesn't necessarily mean sex. It means I want a cuddle buddy, it mean, which is, you know, that in my day, that's just what we said. We'll have a cuddle buddy. Um, but it's, it's their way to, it's this term to be intimate with someone and yet not have it have to mean anything. And they always say right around October, you'll start hearing people talk about cuffing season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I it's a nice little idea. It just has a different name now. So it's kind of like an FWB but without the uh, but they feel and I F this part. is what I've yeah. Talk to people who think that FWB means we're going to have sex and they they wanted a different term. And so they came up with cuffing and then I think it was like Huffington Post took it and you know. Once once the you know the the internet people get it then it becomes its own thing. So there you go. There you go. More power to him. I have a question for Daniel. So as you're learning and exploring 
does having these terms, like having people identify on Grinder, like I'm a top or I'm a bottom or I'm a this, is that helpful or is that harmful or in terms of trying to understand what people are asking for? Um, I, I can say, honestly, it could be both. I mean, it in the sense of being helpful, it tells me what they're looking for. But with top or bottom, you know, I could say, oh, that's a really attractive guy. But with my preferences, oh, he's this, he's that, I, he, he wouldn't work. We're not going to mesh. Where um, I've decided recently to just to go ahead and talk anyways – and realize that, oh, the top, the bottom doesn't really matter. So I mm -hmm. think there is a, you could say, kind of a toxic side to it. Wow. Thank you. I did see that. Yeah, Grinders yeah. a whole, any of the socials are very, they're mm -hmm. just a different world. You know, you, yeah, it's a, I, have to, I have to function differently on there than I would function in real life. Like, do you go to any of, like, the gay bars in the area? No. Yeah, I've been to the Globe once, and that was actually last week. Oh well, so, <laughs> welcome to. There, so it's a different kind of. For me, it's a different kind of vibe. Whether I'm in person with you and I'm flirting this way, or whether I'm, I'm you know social media or whatever. And I think because of also like you were saying with COVID, uh, my generation we're so much more comfortable with that online presence of. Yeah talking with someone more intimately like i will talk with someone very intimately online but then you put them right in front of me i'm i'm a stone wall it's yeah. <laughs> and i think that's that that is a thing that happens to a lot of humans ha and has for for years it's just there is a safety you know in being intimate online to when you're you're have to all of a sudden get recomfortable when you're when you're in person with that person yeah yeah yeah, I get that. Um, so, and as I get older every year, it, it seems to be a different negotiation because my priorities are different as I get older. And I do, I want to say this next. So I told everybody when I, when I put out there that people could ask questions that we didn't have to give names, that it can be anonymous and they can just listen, right? And there is, there is the best, mo I just love this woman. Her name is Barb Sylvie. She's a retired school teacher. And I've known her for a while. And this woman, she's been on the show before. She, they, uh, there's no fear in this woman. And she goes, she told me right up front, you use my name. I want my name used. But she wants, she's a very powerful, very headstrong. She knows what she wants. And her question was, how does a 65-year-old powerful woman find a man? Dating as we get older changes for some of us and she's she is who she is without apology and yet she finds that that can sometimes be a little challenging wow see i want to date her without even meeting <laughs> right. her because i love <laughs> i love her spirit i yes. love that energy i am so just like i'm a new yorker so i'm like yes that is yes. exactly the powerful in your face energy that i think is so energetically attractive when yes. people just say this is who i am who are you? Okay. I think that's a wonderful thing. Now, I don't know specifically some of the obstacles or logistical restraints that she is in where she is or what kind of reaction. I know that I, you know, we are in a very misogynist culture that doesn't always perceive women as sexually magnificent right. past the age of 40 or even before, you know, past right. the age of 35. So there's already that that ageism that incorporates that I think women 
receive more than men, though we certainly have our fair share. Um, and I know that it sounds like you said that she, some men are intimidated by her, her strength, by her power, yeah. which is unfortunate. The good news is that if she's in an area where there are different men to date, that's a really great filter. Like you filter out the losers right away yeah. when you go bold and strong, because then like, you know, right away, if somebody can take that on or not. And although that means you get less quantity of dates, perhaps that strengthens the quality of dates. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, you know, as for any of us, as we get older and we're dealing with ageism and we're dealing with a, a, a you know, I, I would, I would hope, I don't know if she's limiting her date pool. Um, I don't know if she's looking for men her own age, but I'd say if so, could you be open to finding connection and pleasure with men that are younger um, men in their 30s, men in their 40s, you know, Cher's got a great thing going oh right my. now with a much, much younger. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, don't limit yourself. And I think that they're, they're, she's already embracing the qualities that I think are attractive, which is to show up, be yourself, have a positive attitude, do interesting things. And when we incorporate these things at all ages, I do think we create a magnetic energy around us. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't know. I, I, what do you think? I'm excited to send her this clip because she'll obviously have something to say. And I have to say, I need to make this T-shirt. Kurt, write it down. <laughs> because I want to wear it and I want her to have one. Sexually magnificent. That was my yeah. favorite thing you just said. I'm like, we all need to own that. And especially Barb. Uh, Barb is a spitfire just larger than life. And I'm like... and. When she, we used to work with her at the the first GSA at Rogers High School, and uh, she is a fearless advocate, and she will not take your shit if you're going to talk about gay people. And I'm like, girl, it's like, so what she told me is she has a lot of gay boyfriends, a lot of gay husbands, and yeah. now she, you know, she's looking for her own. So I'm excited to get what she thinks, but I think you're right. I had this conversation with a, a friend when you are. When you know who you are and what you want and you're going to live in that space, like you said, it does like bring down the numbers a bit, but it also doesn't waste time. You know what I mean? Because you might as well know who can handle you, you know, because that part isn't going to change. So and and, you know, and I think you're right in that I, I feel like I have to expand what I am willing to look at as, you know, the pool, you know, mm -hmm. and. And that includes maybe making trips to Seattle, making making trips to Portland. Um, and so for for Barb, I want and now I don't think she's afraid of making those trips. But, you know, I, that's what I find as I get older. Um, and I'm not old by any means. But, you know, as we age in the gay community, you know, there's a sometimes there's a certain attitude that goes with you're how old? Well, listen, I can't change that. So. So here you are, whatever you want to do with it. I am approached by more people who want me to be their daddy now, uh, where you're going through daddies wanting you to be their 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 son. So, yeah, it's just an interesting, we just got to negotiate the playing field a bit. That's what I think. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I get more attention in my 50s than I ever did in my 20s. And do you think that's because, because you, you always probably have, but you own yourself. And as you get older, I love your birthday pictures because a lot of them are in your birthday suit. And you're just so, you own who you are. So I think that has to do something. I, I think so, because more so now. 
because in my 20s, I was not secure. I did not feel good about my body. I did not feel in the good, uh, healthy state of mind. I, and I think that was clearly communicated into the world. Yeah. And so that also created an energy, an energy of saying, well, I'm I'm not someone you're going to be safe with. I'm not right. someone who's who, you know, that's sort of a lower energy to be communicating with saying, geez, I really don't like myself very much. But if you give me attention for an hour, maybe I'll like myself a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. And that's not a connected energy. I yeah. think as we move through that and celebrate and really get grounded in our true love for body, mind, spirit, that is literally, you know, like I was telling Barb, an attractive energy, yeah. which gives me more confidence, which gives me more attention than I used right. to get. It's so, it's weird to get to the point where, and Daniel, I don't know how you relate to it, but I'm sure there's some point in there. But when you, the difference between one day you're feeling insecure and I'm out in the world, the way people react around me is way different than the day I go out and I feel myself and I'm feeling sassy and all the things that make me feel good. Do you notice things like that um, as a young man? Yeah. I mean, there are days where I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stay home because, yeah. But, um, <laughs> what was that uh, again? Yeah. Eh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, I, I do have those days where I'm like, you know what? I feel like an absolute queen. I'm going to go out there and strut my stuff. And, um, I mean, four years ago, I was the same way he, he said he was in his twenties. Very, very insecure. Yeah. Very like, okay, uh, I'm just going to stay in my closet cause that's where I'm safe. And now I'm much more comfortable in my skin and um it's true people want to be around other people that make you feel good if you yeah. feel good other people are gonna feel good oh yes it's very true yeah. uh, do you want to deliver the next question my friend yes i can do that wonderful okay so a listener says I have been with my partner for a decade, and lately I have noticed that my sex drive is still strong and I have definite needs, but his seems to be lower and not his priority. I have tried to discuss this with him, but he doesn't want to talk about it. To me, this is a very important thing for our relationship. What do I do? Such a great question. As Jonathan knows, this is year after year. Mm -hmm. This is a very common question, and I know it's a painful question. Um, I think what I find most con uh, concerning about this question is the lack of communication, not the differences in sex drive, because there's almost always a difference in sex drive. When there's communication, there can be some grace around this, some compassion around this, perhaps even some compromise around the sexual activity between the two of you, and perhaps even the sexual activity that can be consented to outside of the primary relationship. Most long-term relationships, especially in the gay community, contain some kind of agreement or negotiation around what sexual or connection can look like outside the primary dyad, but that must be approached with communication and compassion. So the thing about this question that alarms me more is that there doesn't appear to be a route by which he can address this. So in terms of being proactive in that way, what I suspect is going on is that the partner is feeling a lot of shame. Um, again, I'm assuming, this right. is an assumption, I'm assuming this is a same-sex male couple, and we have so much 
identity as gay men as sexual beings, but we don't always feel like sexual beings. And I think where we have a lot of shame around saying, I'm not feeling really sexual um, with myself and I'm really not feeling sexual with the person I love who I've been with for 10 or more years. Yeah. That's such a universal experience that is so rarely talked about. And I think it is important that we address that and say, when we're not feeling sexual desire for our primary partner, it's not an, a, a red flag that anyone is doing anything wrong, that anyone is bad. It's just saying, this is like when you live and breathe and sleep and shit and spend day in and day night with the same person, you're not going to have a whole lot of sexual desire for them most of the time. Can there be a way to talk about that without shame? Can there be a way to talk about that with invitation to right. discovering new ways of connecting, if not with each other, then with other people? And what a lot of people figure out through this process is that we can be lovingly committed, we can be connected, we can practice fidelity and experience desire and yeah. connection with other partners outside of the dyad. Yeah. There is a way to do it. Yeah. And it is, uh, I, I would assume that it is a, you know, a, a negotiation that doesn't just stop once you've, you've made this discussion and this decision, that I, you have to continually commit to being open with each other because the trust has to be number one, right? Communication, I think it's like brushing your teeth. There's never going to be a time in your life you're done with it. If, if you, you keep your teeth brushed for dental health, you keep communication open for, for emotional health. Exactly. Yeah, I agree, Jonathan. Thank you for clarifying. It is an on, it's not like, okay, well, we discussed it last year, so we right. don't have to discuss it anymore. It is an ongoing process of checking in and asking. And, and when you do ask and you do check in, you're showing compassion. For the other person and for their feelings. Yeah. And I think it's you, you have to also be at a point, I think, where you're willing to, ex I mean, this is your partner. Obviously, there's an intimacy that happens when you've been together for 10 years that is even beyond sex. So obviously, uh, you can tell them, you can tell them anything and you have to be willing to say, I have this shame. And so it does make this hard for me to talk to you about it. But the only way to move forward is to have, have that. And do you think, so we do live in a society uh, that tends to be a little more conservative when it comes to sex. So we haven't allowed many people to believe there is an option outside or to believe the one story which is you will destroy your your love and your marriage if you ever talk about this we haven't given ourselves permission to say it doesn't have to destroy anything it actually can strengthen you it actually can make you stronger together but culture i i feel has sold us one narrative Yes. And the one of the downfalls of that, Jonathan, is that when you have couples that are doing this, that are doing it, the, this in a healthy way, they don't talk about it openly because of the stigma. So when you create stigma around relationship, that means that you're sort of publicly persecuting the people who try it and it doesn't work out. And then the people for whom it is working out, they're not going to be like singing about this on social media <laughs> right. because there's such a stigma attached to yeah. it. Yeah. And so that's the danger of creating, you know, rigid shoulds in society, which Puritan society has a yeah. lot of shoulds 
about sexuality. And, you know, then you get couples like this where it's possible there's affection and kindness and wonderful, wonderful intimacy, but this one area isn't clicking. And, And I would advise if it's possible, can they find a couples therapist in their area who would be able to lead them through a sensitive, compassionate conversation free of shame and should so that they can be real about their desires or lack thereof and continue in the relationship onward. Yeah. So I think that's amazing. I also, when I was reading that question, I kept coming to this point. I've had a, a, you know, a run here and there of being in relationships. Uh, And I do notice like a lot of times your desire and your, your libido can ebb and flow. You know, there are moments you're not going to be on the same track and that's, natural and normal and nothing's wrong there's no moral judgment on either person this is how relationships work and i think we don't allow ourselves that honesty and to go it doesn't mean i don't love you you know it doesn't mean i love you more than you love me it doesn't that is not where this this is taking place that we need to understand that as humans this is this is a natural ebb and flow of what we do so as long as you're Staying in, like, what do, what do uh, my parents uh, uh, would always say, you know, that love comes and goes, but your friendship and your relationship is what keeps you solid. And they were together 35 years, you know, so I feel like there is some truth to this, but it's in this, this uh, non-shame-filled communication of just that person that you care about. You know, and where? Thank you. Yes, and where are the the role models in terms of this example? You know, we we have a lot of movies and television, and the vision of romance is usually the process of two people finding each other. Yeah, and then the credits roll or the series end, and that's it. We don't see what happens next year or next decade. How these two people find a way to stay together, even when desire has waned somewhat. Yeah, and that I. Would be- Story. I'm telling you, rom-coms have ruined me because I agree with that 100% because it, it taught us this unrealistic and not normal. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like that's not how it's ever worked for me. And so where we then walk this narrative, then something must be wrong with me because I stand in front of Starbucks and guys will spill coffee on me and I'm not married. That doesn't make sense because that's what Disney told me was going to happen. You know, it's it's an interesting you know, I like to say it about being an adult. It, it doesn't really exist. It's a construct that someone told you, but most of the adults in your life don't feel like an adult either. We're all just doing our best to get through, but we sold you some 1950s bill of goods. Because, and that's fucked a lot of us up. So, Which I think, is, thank you, it's especially relevant with Valentine's Day next oh, week because I yes. know this is the week and this is the time of the year people start to feel a lot of shame if they're not in a primary relationship. And it's because of that bag of goods sold to us by Hollywood that people are constructed into feeling bad if they're not in a relationship. And if they are in a relationship, they're under a lot of pressure to get it right or exactly. else they're going to screw it up. Yeah. I mean, it's very Either true. Way, there's so much pressure. Exactly. And I have to say, it kind of leads into this next question, which is, is there, is there any truth to this idea that when, you have, when you've been single for so many years, you will never be able to have a partner because you're so used to being single? And I've heard this trope so many times. You know, people are like, so, you've, been, you've been single how long? Well, now you're too used to it. You'll never find someone. Okay, well, that's a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's rare that I just say yes or no. That is no. <laughs> that is absolutely no. There's absolutely no truth to that. Where I think 
and I will say this from my own experience, I know that as I get older, I do get more set in my ways. And there's certain ways I like to do things and there's certain ways I like to travel and there's certain ways I like the dishes to be done. And there's certain, I mean, I have routines and I know that I can become more rigid with those routines as I age up. Nevertheless, that doesn't preclude the ability to experience intimacy, vulnerability, and flexibility with another person. That's my favorite thing to express with another person is flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of... (laughs) Right. But it is true. I think what it comes down to when I think about I've I've been trying to date more and I do realize that maybe I need to, you know, adjust my patience level because I know what what, you know, I have time for or not. But I also know if if this is something that is a priority in my life, there's a way if I can make friends, I can make lovers and friends. You know what I mean? It is there, but it's it comes down to what are you willing to to compromise on uh to in order to have you just decide what you want in your life and then then you deal with that but no it's you it's on you like they got to take care of themselves with whatever they got going on and you've got to take care of yourself and that's how you find your way together yeah Yeah. absolutely you know i i I, you all know i'm 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 a big soap opera fan i've always loved (laughs) soap operas and there is a, a a in the daytime world a famous actress named nancy lee gron who has been on the air for like 38 years. And she is very open. She's 67 now. She didn't find the right relationship for her until she was like 62. And she thought she was too old and set her in her way. She's like, no way. But she found the right person at the right time in her life after her child was grown a little older and she had more flexibility and she just found the right person who was the right match in her early 60s. Wow. And that's an example. I mean, that's how that can work. Yeah. Never. There is an expiration date on nothing in this life. The expiration nope. date is what you choose for it to be. So if you don't put one on there, you're good to go. Yeah. Yes. Completely yeah. agree. Do you want to take the next one, sir? Absolutely. All you. Sorry, I'm no, 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 you're good. Figure out where I, it going. starts with, I haven't had sex, which is the, the oh. worst sentence of my life to ever hear or say. I haven't had sex in a few years. I want to get back out there. I enjoyed being a bottom very much in the past. Now I'm worried I have waited too long and it will hurt too much. What can I do to alleviate my concern? Okay. Well, good. Okay. First of all, good on this person for asking the question. Um, and, and when it comes to bottoming, it is really important that we know our bodies. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It's, it's not, it's not like there's an expiration date on bottoming. Um, but if you haven't done it for a while, you may want to try some techniques. You might want to use a toy first or a dildo. You might want to make sure that you're in tune with how your breath works with the opening of the sphincter muscles and how you're, again, using a toy or a dildo, how pleasure feels for you and to re-experience, to reassociate from your brain to your butt, that relationship between, oh, yes, I want this to happen. This feels good. I'm going to enjoy this because so much of whether we enjoy bottoming or not has to do with what's going on between our ears versus what's going on between our legs. Um, So we want to reinforce that connection of like when I'm penetrated, my brain is sending me a message this is good. This is nice. I want more of this. And just doing some of that and making sure you have plenty of lube and no shoulds, 
can get you back into the game pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, talk about, listen, toys have come a long way, baby. Uh, and, uh-huh. you know, they even have as specific as dilators. If you're worried that you are too tight or whatever, they have those that will help to slowly. I mean, dildos, vibrators, all of it, which is also a great way for to get back in touch with what you found pleasurable in, you know, when you were younger or whatever this person says. Uh, to find that again, you don't have to, if you're ready to jump back in, just jump back in. If you need, then, then enjoy yourself, like find out, reconnect to why you loved it so much. And then, you know, that's step one. And then, you know, you can get yourself there. If that's something that's important to you, you know, it's okay. And don't let, and I would also say, don't let someone pressure you. Uh, you know, you be open. Like we've talked before, be open, say what you need and where you're at and, uh, don't let someone pressure you into something you're not mentally, physically ready for. Right. When it comes to another partner. Now, I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but I know here's kind of a paradoxical shortcut for me. If it's been a while for me and I'm not sure, I will let the guy know. I was like, it's been a while. Please start slow. Yeah. yeah. And just saying that out loud and having him accept that. Yeah. Well, guess what happens? Oftentimes we go to town very quickly because there was just something about saying it and having that acknowledged opens up my body more than being in my mind thinking, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going to happen if he goes too fast? He won't. It's like, no, just communicate, say it out loud. And oftentimes it's like, oh, now that he knows that, now he's like, okay, that's fine. It seems to go, it seems to yes. go better. Because you relax, you know, you yeah. relax and you enjoy. I think about, uh, we were talking about uh, fraudage earlier and I think about, boy, I'll, if I'm nervous at all, I just have to make out with the guy, you know, for a minute. And it's like, oh, okay. I remember, I remember this. And it's, remember your body is a pleasure zone. It's, it, you have this innate I think it was on the movie Jeffrey. They talk about we have this innate built-in ability for pleasure. And how crazy is that? And uh, trust your body. You know what I mean? Trust what's what's there. I miss these conversations with you because uh, it's nice to have open dialogue about sexuality. And obviously with the questions we got, just by putting it out there, people want it, but we don't allow it listen get yourself a sex in the city group just be people you that it doesn't matter and just be and support each other we're all in this life together you know what i mean so that's what i love about about when we get we get to talking um so before we move on to the next uh question i want to say one of the things you have a youtube talk show right Uh and what's it called so I want to say why I started this. I live in New York City. Some of the most interesting artists, entertainers, sexual advocates, um, people who I know are just amazing sex workers, activists, HIV activists, all live in New York City. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to interview them all naked in my bathtub in Brooklyn? So I started a show and it's called Tub Talks. Talks is plural. Tub Talks with Damon. And if people go to tubtalkswithdamon.com, D-A-M-O-N, uh, or just go to YouTube and type in Damon yeah. Jacobs bathtub, um, they'll see there's about 87 now, 87 interviews with people from not just New York City, but around the world. And having, because I, you know, I don't, 
I'm still learning every day about sex and I'm right. still learning about people and, and the mind. And all of these interviews, I learned something new about someone, about how they perceive sexuality, healthy sexuality. A lot of my guests are people in their 40s, 50s and 60s and 70s having really active sex lives. So I'm learning from them and just what it's like to have this ongoing dialogue about body, mind, spirit while we're naked in a bathtub. It's Amazing. Well, I think just in, I can't wait for you to be a guest. I am, I'm there. I'm ready. I love that so, just the act of not being clothed seems to lead to it, it just takes away inhibitions. So it seems to lead to this very honest conversation about things that we need to talk about. And I, my favorite ones are the ones where where you do uh, sit in a bathtub talking to these older gentlemen because I totally relate. And that's that's where I put my energy and my mind is discovering who I am now at this age. And I love hearing the honesty. And, you know, you can't listen, people. You cannot watch anything with Damon and not feel the love, the actual just pure connection. And so it's it. I love watching them. I think they're beautiful. And boy, you have people from all walks of life, like you said. Did I see recently there was a, a lovely lady? Was there a woman? Yes, so six cisgender women. Yes, six cisgender women have have jumped in the tub with me. I freaking love that. The most recent one is a woman who's living with HIV and wow. talking about her experience. She's also a therapist in New York City, and just generously sharing some of her insights and what it's like for her to be living with HIV as a yeah. woman and and dating and trying yeah. to have sex and what that those experiences are like wow. for her. You're, so that I, kind seriously. of vulnerability that people share is is I'm I profoundly profoundly honored oh, to it's to part of that worth checking out. We'll put a link on our socials, but you guys need to check it out. It's amazing. Also, very inspiring to those of us having those same kind of like working through some things. And I I just had to say that I that I love it. Okay, I've talked a lot. I'll let you do the next question. <laughs> okay, so okay. the next one is. I recently started a subscriptions to HIMS for erectile dysfunction medicine, but when I take it, my sinuses sinuses swell, and I think I'm having an allergic reaction. I'm too embarrassed to talk to my doctor. The last time I tried that sort of thing, he ignored my questions and concerns. Are all ED pills the same ingredients? Is there hope that if one doesn't work, another will? So, great question. I'm going to be very honest that when it comes to side effects and medicines, I'm really not a great expert on this, but I think what's I hear most important in there, what's concerning in there is the embarrassment or shame that he's experiencing talking to his doctor. And in my opinion, if you are getting um, dismissed or embarrassed by your doctor, then it's time to get a new doctor. I say we are not patients. We are consumers. We have the right to consume medical services in a way that preser uh, preserves dignity and respect, where you feel like your questions are being taken seriously. And so I'm not sure what the medical answer to that question is, and I apologize because I don't know it, but I do think that it would be really wise for this person to find medical advice. And in this day and age, if there's not anybody in your area geographically, there's telehealth. I actually thought HIMSS provided medical answers to questions. So he might want to go back to HIMSS and ask one of their experts this question. Exactly. But even if they don't, 
you, we now are living in a day and age where we can access sexual health through telehealth in a way that is less stigmatizing and less embarrassing than before. So true. I have to say that the first thing I thought was exactly what you just said, which is it's time to find a new doctor, maybe. Yeah. Uh, because it's probably, it's a relationship that's so important that you be able to be open. And I always say you're part of your medical team. You are not the patient who is told you need to be an active participant. So, you know, maybe reevaluate that because we live in a, a day and age. How exciting is it to have places like Hims? And there's a few. I know Hims because I always see the things on Facebook, but and I think there's one called Redmond. But anyways, you have all of these options that we didn't have. Uh, you know, 20 years ago. And so it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, maybe look more into what HIMSS offers or anywhere that you're you're getting this. Because it's, I feel like most of, and most of the time there's going to be an answer for you that you'll understand. Because I know like Cialis is different active ingredients than um, the blue pill. I can't remember the name. Viagra. Yeah, Viagra. So they they both have the same end goal, but they're so I do think if you will talk to a doctor who knows more about that, I think you're gonna be I think you're gonna be okay. But I think the answer isn't in, you know, not in hiding. You don't have to hide. It's okay. And, right. And and as you said, the relationship between a provider and consumer is a really important one, especially as we get older. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in my 50s. I, I don't see doctors anymore. I see nurses. I only mm -hmm. see nurses. That's my own per personal preference. But my mm -hmm. nurse and I, I trust my nurse. I can talk to him about anything happening in my body. I do not feel embarrassed. He's really respectful. And yeah. um, that is, in, that's an important relationship in my life that I preserve. Yeah. And I really haven't had that kind of relationship with a medical professional before. Yeah. So I really cherish it now. You have to, you know, we're the only ones living in this body. And so we're the only ones aging with it. So it's important that we trust someone. So I think that's great. I will say, I have a doctor in town, but uh, I also really enjoy Dr. Mike on YouTube. Dr. Mike, if you're, if you're watching, uh, he's straight, but listen, not bad to look at. And I love how open this man is just to people and just to wanting to get it. So those are the kind of medical professionals that we need. And I know it's hard in this country. It's hard in rural areas. It's hard in, in areas that are more uh, conservative. But I believe you have a whole queer community out there and we're uh, so many of us willing to, to help and talk. And so, you know, put your queer community to work. And in most states, nurses can do exactly the same things yep. in outpatient that doctors yep. can do. They can prescribe medications, but often their training is more holistic and more sexually exactly. positive than doctors. Yeah. I love a holistic approach and I love over here. We call them nurse practitioners and, yes. uh, and I love, I'm with you. I absolutely love. Okay. Here's an interesting question. Uh, and this is going to lead us to something I was uh, hoping we could at least touch on tonight, but I have to admit, I love bareback sex. It excites me, but I feel such shame about it. Am I being self-destructive? Am I just emotionally damaged so I enjoy this? I feel like I'm hiding in the dark these days. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say, first of all, that thank you for sending that question. It kind of hurts my heart to hear that because look, whomever is whoever wrote that, look at where you are. If there's people around you, look around at those people. And if there's no one around you, just listen to our voices how did we all get here if not from bareback sex? 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, good we point. All are got here. That is the most natural, beautiful expression between human beings possible. And when straight people do it, we don't call it barebacking. Exactly. But when gay people do it, we stigmatize it and we ask these questions about something being wrong or self-loathing or self-destructive because we enjoy the sacred intimacy of another man's body inside another man. And I wish that we could shift that to include sexual connection and penetrative sex that's condomless as a normal, beautiful, celebratory part of the human experience we're meant to have. Exactly. Exactly. And there, you know, sex is inherently there's things you just have to be aware of. But we also have like prep. You are the prep warrior in this world. Um, very important. Is it, you know, just like anything else, it's not, it's, it's not the one, it's, it's not in, it's not, what's the word I'm looking for? Perfect and magic. But it does, it can give you some tool to feel like a little better. You know what I mean? It's, but you're a grown ass person. So, you know, it's what your pleasure is up to you. Don't let someone like, I, I understand because I understand I live in this world, but you know, I understand that, but it is sad to hear someone be ashamed of something that they find so enjoyable. And I never thought of it till you said it. You're right. We don't call it bareback sex when it's doing with heterosexual people. Never crossed my mind. Yeah. No, we just call it sex. Yeah. We more we, we don't call it we don't stigmatize it. We don't label yeah. it. We don't attach shame to it. Even when the result can potentially be pregnancy and yeah. HIV and everything else. Yeah. But in the gay community we learn, and this is an adaptation from the AIDS crisis, to, to stigmatize intimate, penetrative semen exchange. Yeah. Let's change that. We have the tools now to end the transmissions of HIV because of PrEP and because of U equals U. U equals yeah. U means that when someone's living with HIV and they're undetectable, they cannot sexually transmit HIV to their partners. So we have two important tools yes. to say if you have penetrative sex without condoms you can enjoy it without the fear of hiv now we have this new technology and jonathan we haven't talked about this before but we have three data points now that shows that use of an antibiotic called doxycycline mm -hmm. which is generic significantly reduces the likelihood of one getting gonorrhea chlamydia or syphilis when they're exposed we can talk about this the next time or people yeah. can google this Doxycycline, there was a major study that came out last July out of UC San Francisco that showed that people who use doxycycline within 72 hours of a sexual exposure um, significantly reduced STI transmission, not as highly as PrEP and U equals U, but 60 something percent Huge. is still really, really high in science. Wow. And so if we put all these tools together, maybe we can talk about sex as something healthy and normal and celebratory instead of constantly speaking in this, this framework of disease and death and viruses. I, I had no idea, first of all, about that. And that's brilliant. Yeah. All I, you know, I will say, being in the conservative area that we are here out here, all I ever hear is how apparently we all need to stop having sex because, you know, there's the superbugs now and gonorrhea. You can't cure it. That's all you hear. You don't hear. And I'm like, but that that isn't we can't pretend like we're not sexual beings. We cannot pretend that. And we can't pretend like it doesn't affect uh, our our mental health, honestly, if we are repressing all of our desires. 
Right. Yeah. And and just for the record, for, for people worried about super gonorrhea, that is the, the doxycycline was stopped being used as an antibiotic to treat gonorrhea about 20 years ago because it was no longer effective against the current strains. In other words, the current strains in the U.S. of gonorrhea are already resistant to doxycycline. Yeah. So doxycycline would not be helpful in treating gonorrhea, but it appears to be helpful in preventing gonorrhea. See, That's is, an important distinction. Yeah, which is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Lots of tools out there that we don't talk about. Let's, uh, I, these next three, do you want to just put them all in one? Because they're basically on the same thing. Yeah. And I only have about one more minute. Okay. So well, then let's work. do this. Oh, yeah. yeah. You mean you work? You don't just come on I shows and be good. Eight. Well, this is good because, you know, we have to have you back. There's lots of things yeah. we touched on. And when you we can have, have me front. we're going to do You the can have me back. You can have me front. See? You I. <laughs> All of the above. I've seen it. We know. Um, this is what I have to say. Uh, we we named some things we want to keep you, have you talk about. Next show, this is called The Sex Show. The next show is called The Fetish Show. Uh, people are very curious about fetishes and and uh, and that's what the next three questions are. So why don't we say, hey guys, we know you love these questions. The next show is all about fetishes. We want to hear all about them. So uh, we'll have we'll have that be the sequel. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. And, you know, fetish, I mean, I would love to talk about that because I think what are we really talking about with fetish? We're talking about expressing, fulfilling, exploring desire. Yes. And what we call a fetish as what we quantify as a fetish kind of can vary, right? Yeah. I mean, so I love what they were calling bareback sex. I love bottoming right. without condoms. Is that a fetish? Some people would say yes. Some people would say no. Exactly. Some people love rubbing feet. Is that a yes. fetish? Some people say yes. Some people would say no. Yeah. But I think the general idea here is that human sexuality can be one of constant exploration and discovery. Yeah. And do we need to, or is there benefit in, in, saying something's a fetish or not. Right, I don't know. I'm exactly. not saying yes or no to that. I'm just right. curious about yeah. I want to throw that question out there to people. Yeah, exactly. Well. And also, it's all about respect. Just respect people. You know, we had the question, the first question was furries, explain. And, I, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is a whole conversation and maybe you don't understand it. And hopefully you will after this, you know, after we talk about it. But that's what we're getting to. I do want to say, can people still find your amazing books on Amazon? Oh, yes. They're on Amazon? Absolutely um, should list. Damon L. Jacobs. Yes. Don't forget the L. Damon L. Jacobs. Uh, or they're all at DamonLJacobs.com. Wonderful. Um, I'm on the Instagram, DamonLJacobs.com. I don't tweet very much, but I still have a thing on there. Yeah. Um, and if people really, you know, want to think about more of these things, TubTalksWithDamon.com yes. or go on YouTube talk, yes. uh, to TubTalks, yes. plural. With Damon, yeah. uh, you know, again for uh, other ideas. Right now, the one that's up right now is with my friend Charles, who's fifty-five, and he's talking in today's episode about how he's having the best sex of his life as a Mexican American living with HIV. He's having the best sex of his life at the age of fifty-five than ever, and he talks about how and why that's happening for him. I'm right going to be watching that episode and taking notes. That's what yeah. I. That's what I would do. Thank you for yes. for being on. Thank you for it's been too long. So now we're gonna we're gonna get back into the habit uh, here. And who knows? One of our live events, one of these months, we may get you here. We, we will, because that would I'm be amazing. That would be, that would be... I'm into it. Wait, where are you again? You're still. You're back now. We're back in Spokane. Yeah. 
So you okay, were okay. you were here once before. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So back up here, it's a little colder. Uh, so not thrilled with that. But um, yeah, so so we're up here and we're having a good time. So Daniel, thank you for jumping on the mics today. Was it a good time? Oh yeah, I had a blast. I, Was it good for you? Oh yeah. <laughs> Felt good. Did you the desires? Remember everybody that this show drops both in audio format and video format every Tuesday at thequeercentric.com. We love hearing from you. Please send us some questions, especially about this show. I know there'll be a lot more questions after this. And then join us every week as we continue to bring in community members talking about important things to all of us but until next time everyone bye thank you 